Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. My name is Chris Tafoya. Ethan Newman was a very dear friend of mine who passed away from COVID complications in late December of 2020. He was a very talented musician, primarily a bass player, who was active in the Phoenix, Arizona music scene from the late 90s until his passing in 2020. Over the years, Ethan performed with several groups and countless musicians, many of whom I hope to speak with over the course of this podcast. He wasn't a perfect person, but he was definitely a special person. And I have my own feelings and thoughts and memories that led me to believe he was special. But I'm on a quest to talk to people who were close to him or knew him or performed with him in order to get to know him more now that he's gone. I still think about Ethan often, and that's what led me to start this podcast, primarily so that I could learn more about him and and feel as if though he's still around, but also so that I could chronicle a little bit of his life so that perhaps other people could listen and get to know him as well if you don't know him already mostly to celebrate his life and heal from losing him. And hopefully the community that surrounded Ethan could take some solace into listening to all of us talk about him and share our feelings and emotions and memories and stories about him together. So thank you for joining me at the beginning of my journey of getting to know my friend Ethan better and also sharing some great stories, because if you knew Ethan, you always had great stories. He was a very fun person to be around. Ethan went through some dark times in his life, but he was always able to somehow make those around him feel good and also help them see their own talents and be confident in what they could put out into the world. So my first guest today is Mike Hill, a very talented drummer also in the Phoenix music scene. He's been at it for several years, and uh, he's a great guy and a very good friend. I spent the bulk of my time performing with Mike in a band called Green Ears, which was a 90s hip-hop cover band, and it was a lot of fun. And in in addition to performing with me, of course, Mike has several different bands, and and I'm sure I'm not going to list all of them here, but the ones that I know of are, uh, let's see, he's been with... Capital Down, The Funk Junkies, of course, Cousins of the Wise, Whiskey Six, um, and more currently, I know that he is a fill-in drummer for a band called The Darts out of Phoenix, and is currently playing with a band called The Instant Classics. And in addition to all that, he and his friend Paul Anthony have a band called The Rock Bottom Bros, and they write and record their own original music, as well as performing with musicians in Phoenix. Mike has been gracious enough to give us his time today so that he can talk about Ethan and the time he spent with him, which was uh, primarily in a band called Capital Down, which was a cover band circa 2007 and around there, which included uh, some very good friends of mine, Mike Mercer, Alan Chadwick, and of course, Ethan and Mike. Before we get started, I would just like to mention that the audio quality of my first two interviews isn't the greatest. I'm new to this podcast thing, so I've I've been experimenting with different ways to record conversations remotely 
because I live in Upper Michigan now, so many of the people people who knew Ethan were down in Arizona. Hopefully, the pops and cracks and hisses don't distract from our conversation. But I just wanted to put that out there and know that it'll get better eventually. Without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Mike Hill. And uh, thanks for joining. All right, Mike, how you doing, man? Good. How you doing, brother? Good. Long, long time no talk. I mean, we haven't talked for a significant amount of time in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. You moved away from us, so that's why we everybody was sad, so we don't get to talk to you anymore. But it's good to talk to you. Thanks for thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Thanks for being a part of it. Yeah, I'm hoping that um, you know this turns out to be something cool and that some people can listen and feel like Ethan's hanging out with them again. And yep, that's what I'm shooting for. You know, the, I was talking to Randy and Mike recently. And we were, t- we were going back and forth with Ethan's stories, you know, and that's where I got the idea for this because we were just rolling, you know. It was just, like, so funny and, mm-hmm. and emotional. And I just love hearing stories about him because I know he was such a character, you know. Yep, yep. So I appreciate, appreciate you being a part of it. Uh, before we get into Ethan, though, um, what have you been up to creatively? I mean, most of Ethan's friends... Not all of them, but most of us are musicians or creatives of some sort, you know. Yeah. Um, what are you up to nowadays, music-wise? Yeah, music-wise, um, like a lot of people that got a chance to play with Ethan, um, you know, musically, still definitely doing playing in bands in Phoenix, um, uh, doing a lot of different projects, some original projects, and then uh, some working band stuff. Um, you know, it's just kind of like the, 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 the busyness of playing in bands is what attracts all of us to do it. And we love playing in front of a crowd and energy. So, you know, the older I get, the more I just kind of get more thankful that I'm still able to do it. Um, but yeah, just, just trying to stay busy with uh, working projects and creative projects, uh, for sure. Trying to stay relevant and not Ill- irrelevant anymore. <laughs> uh. Oh, I hear you, man, especially when, you know, I, for there for a minute before the pandemic, I was kind of hanging out in the Green Bay, Green Bay scene a little bit. Yeah. And I was standing around with a bunch of guys who were talking, and then it hit me all of a sudden that I was the only, like, 47 or 46-year-old dude. Everyone was under 30 or whatever, you know, and I was like, <laughs> whoa. And then I remember, I remember when I was out playing gigs and you'd – you know, there'd be like a an older dude around who'd be, you know, who was a musician or whatever, and yeah. he'd be like, "Oh, this this guy's cool, but he's like the old guy," you know, like. Yeah, yeah. There's always that one <laughs> one crusty old dude who hangs out, and now I'm that crusty old dude. <laughs> no, dude, you could never be a crusty. Old dude. Never. Oh. Uh, well, even the crusty old dudes, some of them are cool. You, you, you and I are one of those guys, I think. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So, man, I guess, you know, the best place to start is, you know, how did you meet Ethan? You know, when did he enter yeah. your life? Um, Ethan rolled into my life like uh, rolling thunder back in 2006. Uh, I met him through 
uh, a cover band that I joined with a man by the name of Alan Chadwick, and um, yeah. eventually Mike Mercer, another good friend of mine, joined up to the band. But uh, Alan recruited Ethan to play um, in this band, and they kind of had something going, and they needed a, um, a guy to come in and play drums. So that was my introduction to Ethan. Uh, lo and behold, of course, he knew a lot of the same people that I had already known just from being in the scene. Um, yeah, and it started from there. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was amazing to kind of have, like, playing with these great musicians um, and, and Ethan being in the band. He was such an um, explosion of energy uh, no matter what we did, whether if it was rehearsing, which we did very little of, um, or, <laughs> or, you know, of course, gigging. And a lot of my memories uh, are mostly from being on stage with Ethan um, and, you know, the load-ins and the load-outs and the, the, the trips that we took um, to play gigs for, like, a wedding or something. Um, a lot of my memories fall into that bucket uh, with Ethan because that's a lot of, that's most of the time that I spent with him. Um, and he was, you know, he's just one of those guys. Alan, Alan said it great. Alan was the guitar player in that band. He said, I wanted to have Ethan in this band because he was like a positive ray of energy. It didn't have anything to do with his bass playing technically, even though he's an amazing bass player. But I think more importantly, Alan wanted good people around him to be in this band, people that had positive energy, you know. And as you know, that's super important when you're slugging it out in a, in a cover band on the weekends and, mm. and, you know, having that positive energy in, in a project like that is so important. It's just as important as having people who know how to play their instrument. Um, and Ethan could do both of those things very well. <laughs> so. Oh, for sure, man. You know, Alan definitely shared the, like, positive light thing with me when we were talking about Ethan as well. Like, mm -hmm. he liked to promote Ethan and, you know, his, his positive energy that he would put out. Yep. Yeah, it's, yep. it's important to have a guy like that to jam with, right, because we all have those soul sucker gigs. For Randy yep. and I, it was casino gigs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> those were always like the most draining for us. But you know, whenever we would put do a show with Ethan, uh, even the most boring soul sucking gigs were just fun, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he had a way of taking gigs like that where they just drone on and on, and making them at least bearable and fun. You know, you know when you're going to the gig like that, you like you look at the lineup and you're like, oh, oh great, Ethan's on on with us today. It just makes it. He had a a good way of looking at things and and seeing the lighter side of 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 playing and being a musician and you know playing gigs. No matter what the gig was, he always had a way of turning it into something that was positive. Um, you know, and I think that everybody shares that. Anybody who has ever played with him on any kind of gig could probably say the same thing, is that if he was on the gig with you, it was going to be a positive experience for the most part, you know. The gig may have sucked, but it wasn't because 
you know, it wasn't because what what you were doing in the band and Ethan was in it. It may have been something else. But other than that, it was he had just had that way of doing that. You know, I think um, getting to know him on a personal level as well, he, that also spilled out into his personal life in general, mm -hmm. you know. He was always a good, you know, whenever I was bummed, he, he liked to talk, I, although he didn't like talking on the phone very much, but, <laughs> you know, I did my best to talk with him whenever I was feeling kind of bummed out, and he always seemed to be able to cheer me up, you know. I think it was a universal thing for him in music and in his life. Yep. At least yeah, he, that's how I felt about it. He, I agree. He definitely shared, uh, you know, a passion for caring about people that he, um, you know, friends, uh, people that would come out to see him in shows. Uh, even if you weren't playing with him or you weren't in a band, he was always the guy that would stop and talk to you if you, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of like regulars would come out and he would always have the moment to stop and talk to, talk to them um, mm -hmm. is to say, hey, what's up? Hey, thanks for coming out. You know, and that was another thing. You would always say that. Hey, thanks for coming out, you know. Um, and I, I, I would, I kind of learned that from him, like, you know, to thank these thank people that come, that come out to your shows all the time. Not just sometimes, but all the time. Anytime some, someone you see a regular, you know, he had a really good habit of doing that. Um, and that, that was definitely a personal trait of his, for sure. Yeah, I noticed that too, man. You know, I think that was an influence he had on me also, you know. Um, once Randy and I got going, doing our thing there at those uh, there was a lot of times where we'd have regulars, you know, that would return every week, and I would, I would call, you know, I'd call them out or whatever. It, even in the middle of a song, I learned that from Ethan, like change the lyrics up and use their name in the song. He, I saw yeah. him doing that, and I was so impressed. I was like, wow, that's cool. I've never seen anyone do that. So Randy and I used to, we 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 kind of stole that from him. We would do that all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. He was good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, he was good at making people feel um, welcome and comfortable uh, around mm -hmm. him. Uh, he, whether he was off stage or on stage, he he kept that, that trait very consistent um, in being able to make people feel comfortable uh, when they're, you know, if they were at the gig or if he was talking to you. It was never like... Uh, hey, I, you know, I'm Ethan Newman, and I'm talking to you. Right. He, was just, he was just super down to earth, same level as everybody, yeah, you know, always, yeah. always, always. If only oh. everyone could be that way, man. Oh, I know, I know. Right. The world would be a much better place. <laughs> yeah, it would. Well, aside from that band that um, you and Mike and Alan were in with him, it was you, Mike, Alan, and who? And and Ethan and, and then Ethan of course yeah and Ethan Ethan played with us for a, a couple of years um, he because he's because Ethan is so good you know everybody wanted him in their band so uh, you know he he did get pulled in a couple different directions um, and and it it kind of came to a point where he was getting so busy that he wasn't able to commit 
full-time to the band we were in, um, and I couldn't blame him for that because, you know, he was a full-time musician, and when you're full-timer, you got to kind of take the opportunities um, as they come. So he just got really busy, so we there were, t there were times where we had to have felons, and eventually he kind of just um, took on a, a stride of his own. Uh, so we, we, we missed him for a while in uh, the ending years of that band. But, um, but yeah, he, he was such a great player that he could play with anybody. Um, so he not just played with us, but he played with a bunch of other bands in town. Um, mm -hmm. So that was, that was, but that was the, fir the, saw the first lineup, I should say, was myself, Ethan on bass, Alan on guitar, and Mike Mercer up front. That was the good fight, right? Was that the name of your guys' band? Or what was the name uh, of that, band? that That band was called Capital Down. Capital Down, that's right. Yeah. I think yeah. a good, if he was in so many bands that he would tell me about or I'd go see that it's hard to keep them all straight, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. and was, that the only, was that the only project you ever did with them, or did you ever do any kind of one-offs, or other, did you jam with them in any other capacity, or was that mostly the time that, that you was, with them? Yeah, that was the main project that I had the opportunity to play with him. Um, I think we did a couple recordings on the side, um, but nothing consistent, uh, you know, like consistently working. Um, that was the uh, the main driving force behind me getting to play with him. Uh, the one thing I do regret is not being able to get into a project with Ethan, uh, an original project. You know, mm -hmm. um, all of my experiences were cover gigs with him, which is great, but I really wish I was able to get into an original project, whether it be recording um, a gig just writing, um, doing an original thing with him. You know, a lot of people have had the opportunity to do that. And that's one thing I kind of regret is I was, I never got a chance or took the time to be able to set that up and, and do that. Because um, he's super creative. And, um, you know, that's when you really get to, to see people shine uh, creatively in those original projects. Yeah, that's a good point. That's really true. He definitely... And he was so so good about um, directing the band and, and sharing his ideas in a way that didn't come across as like, well, I have a better idea than you. Like, it mm -hmm. always felt positive when he would do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That would have been that would have been super cool, man. If you and Ethan had done an original project, I bet it would have been awesome. Oh, that would have been so much fun. Lots of fun, you kinda, for sure. You kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, you know, when you were talking about how um, now you make a point to, like, give a shout-out to people who return to shows and stuff like that. But aside from that, um, can you think of any other, like, influence or, you know, lessons or anything like that that you got just being around Ethan? Not that he was giving lessons out, but... You always see yeah. 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 In getting a chance to play with them, you know, you just absorb things from other people in the bands that you're with. Um, and I, I, I think when I started playing with Ethan in 2006, that was my real first 
a serious cover band uh, project. Before that, I was only doing original bands. Um, and playing with Ethan and Alan and Mike was my first dive into doing the cover band gig kind of full, full spot on, you know. Um, and I think what I learned from Ethan is that he'd already been doing all these kinds of gigs already. And I learned from him that with cover band gigs, you just kind of roll with the punches. You know, it's not like you're not out there to uh, get followers and fans and sign up email lists like you are if you're an original project. Um, you're there to entertain and to kind of, you know, be uh, entertainment for people in a different capacity than what it is to be in an original band. Um, and in doing so, there's a different level of, I guess, um, mentality going into gigs like that where you just, you know, there's things that will come up, there's things you have to deal with. And in original projects, you have that too. Um, but in a working cover band, it's a little bit different. Uh, so. And Ethan was always calm, cool, and collected when it came to adversity or things that came up about gigs, um, you know, problems in working with the person that hired us or, um, you know, not having proper staging equipment or something like that. Or just, you know, at the end of the night going, wow, that gig sucked, but hey, let's go do the next one. You know, I mean, he just had a really good down-to-earth mentality of the working musicians, um, you know, uh, challenges. And he, he approached them super calm, super collected, and, you know, um, every day is something new, every gig is going to be something new. Um, and I learned that from him because I was coming into this, this world kind of fresh um, from the original side going into the cover, cover gig side. And he kind of, you know, I picked that up from him. I absorbed that from him and it's a different mentality, uh, and you have to have different expectations when you're doing cover band gigs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would guess, yeah, I would guess so. You know, it's a different, different animal altogether. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things that um, mindset-wise for me was like, uh, you know, I wasn't used to getting up and playing three-hour gigs. You know, um, mm -hmm. if in the original band world, you get up, you do your 40, 30 or 40 minute set and you're done. Um, with the cover band gigs, you know, you get up there and you're up there for three or four hours. And that was new to me because, as you know, those kinds of gigs are long haul gigs. <laughs> they can, get, yeah. they can, they can so. get pretty shady at the end. Um, so just kind of watching how Ethan handled those situations rubbed off on me big time. And I still, you know, even today, um, in the gigs that I do now, this, I still play those gigs and, uh, I still use that same mentality and that same go get them attitude that I learned in that first project with Ethan. Yeah, those gigs can, those gigs can be rough, you know, it's like, uh, you, you try to play a tune very early on that you know you could play later. Yeah. Or, you know, I, that's something I learned from Ethan, too, you know. Yeah. He says, there's nothing wrong with repeating songs, man. 
no one's really paying attention anyways. You know, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. You can play Sweet Caroline at the first set, and you can play Sweet Caroline at the last set. <laughs> That's funny. Well, besides that kind of stuff, what about playing-wise? Because, like, I, he taught me a ton with, you know, just by being around him. And he would give me little lessons when I would jam with him because I was pretty – I was pretty new to performing in general when Ethan gave me his time, you know, in the early days. But how mm -hmm. about as far as, you know, your performing on your instrument, did you ever pick up any kind of musical sort of lessons from him? Yeah, so oh, the great thing about playing with Ethan is that he always knew where the one is. You know, he never dropped the one. Um, whether he was playing the one on his fingers, with, on his bass, or he was moving his body like this is the one. You know, he was always good at doing that. And there were many times over the course of that project that I was in where I didn't know the song. You know, we were playing a song, someone requests the song. I didn't know it, and of course Ethan knew it. So right. he would be able to direct the whole band through the song and, you know, I didn't know the song. Uh, maybe Alan knew it. Maybe maybe Mike knew it. Uh, but Ethan knew it, and, and we were always pretty confident that if he knew it, then we could at least get through that song and get the tip from the guy who wanted to hear the song. You know what I mean? It's like right. he, he was able to lead the band and play it and sing it um, in a way like we were confident we'd be able to get through this because he was always... Uh, playing and then signaling uh, on stage, you know, when the change comes, here's the verse, here's the chorus. At, after a while, you just get used to uh, Ethanisms on stage and you know what he's doing. So he was super good at that from a technical standpoint. And um, I always felt pretty confident that when we were going into a song and I was kind of not sure of it, I would just follow him um, because he would give you know, he would give the signals, the high times, the stops, the starts, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that was that was super, super fun to, to follow along. And if you're in a band who with a person that can do that, uh, you're gonna be good. You're gonna be good to go, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, he was so good at that too, man, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it was just like I I remember you know some of the first times that I performed with him. Um, you know, because he played, he played with me in that in our original band, Christofoya band. But we would do gigs that would be a couple hours long. You know, and the first couple gigs I played with him, where someone would say, you know, can you play this John Denver tune or whatever, and I'd be like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the second I'd be thinking that, Ethan would be telling the dude, yeah, you got it, man, no problem. Yeah, let's do it, guys. And I'd be like, whoa. I don't know this, so I, you know, I tell him like I don't know it. He goes, "It's fine, man. Just, just play an F and then uh, watch me." Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> be like, uh, but I don't know. He goes, "I'll just don't worry. Just, just play an F. Look at my hands. Look at my hands. Yeah, you know, calm down." And he'd go F G D. Play it real simple, and then I'd just follow my guitar. And next thing I know, I knew he'd fly off on his bass and do crazy stuff, and I'd still be doing what he showed. And we're playing the song. Yeah, 
Which is interesting for, you know, someone who plays guitar to follow him because he played bass upside down, you know? It's like, uh, I, don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how that works if you're trying to follow him. Um, but, right. yeah, that was, yeah, that was another thing that was so crazy about how he played. He played completely opposite of the way most bass players play. So, I mean, and that, didn't, that and alone. And he didn't, didn't restring the bass or the guitar either, right? No. He left it right hand strong, but played left handed. Played left handed, <laughs> yeah. So backwards and upside down. <laughs> Man, he was cool, dude. Yeah, he he was he was he was doing exactly what he was born to do, you know. Um, play music, entertain people, just be a ray of sunshine for everyone. No doubt, man. I mean, there's. I mean, I'm not the one being interviewed, but. If anyone ever does someday, I mean, I just, uh, I have so many stories and stuff that have influences me. You know, and for, for me, like, I was, I, I played guitar in a couple of original bands in El Paso before I moved to Phoenix and met all you guys, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and some of that stuff. But I'd never been in, like, an organized group and gotten up in front of, you know, and people, when Ethan played with you, you know, because of all the things you were talking about earlier, people would come to watch him because they knew, you know, that it was going to be a good show and he was going to acknowledge them and that kind of stuff. And I yep. feel lucky that that was my first exposure to it was with Ethan because, I mean, I just learned a ton of stuff, even that I use in the studio. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any, any, you know, a whole lot of experience before that, so... Mm -hmm. And he was awesome for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah yep. Um, you know, what, one thing that I really had also admired about Ethan was since he was a full-time musician, um, you know, he, he taught himself to become valuable to people and to himself by learning the skills necessary to play in just about any kind of gig that came to him. So... For example, you know, he obviously played bass, played bass in many bands, and was that guy. But then he also branched out and, you know, played guitar. Uh, and then, you know, I remember him telling me a story, yeah, I got this acoustic gig, and, you know, he's got, like, this foot pedal thing, and he would, you know, play, like, the bass or something or some percussion on his foot. And he kept teaching himself how to be more valuable to people so that he could continue to work as a full-time musician. So he was now able to take on, like, gigs like you would take, solo acoustic gigs, you know, mm -hmm. and if he didn't need to play in a band situation all the time, he could take on a gig by himself. I think he did a gig at Joe Lee's place for a long time, um, and it was, it was just him. So he was able to adapt to being not just a bass player, but, a, you know, a self-contained um, self, uh, uh, musician where it could get gigs on his own. And as for someone who is a native bass player, um, you don't see that too often. You know, you see guys who play guitar and sing. Uh, they're able to, to pick up gigs and stuff like that, solo acoustic on their own. But Ethan was primarily a bass player, but he did play guitar and things like that, and he, he did the things that, made him valuable to himself so he could continue working. Um, I did admire that about him because, you know, for, for guys like me, who's a drummer, um, 
you know, I can't just go out and get an acoustic gig anywhere and play by myself, you know, <laughs> unless right. I teach myself guitar and I learn a hundred songs on guitar and teach my, and learn how to sing like you can do. Um, you know, he, he just kind of transcended that and he knew if I want to keep working, I, 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 would, I need to do these things so I can stay, you know, stay working. And I really admired that about him. He was good at that. that that is a really cool thing, man. I mean, I knew all that, but I, I've never, like, thought about that specifically. But you're right. I mean, that, that is really cool how he was able to do that. And remember that little kick tambourine that he had? Yeah, that's that's what it was. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I just remember thinking. I was jealous. I got jealous of him. I'm like, man, you, like, you, you're going out there and you're doing it on your own. And, like, I, you know, it's like, I wish I could do that, you know. It was, it was Super, super inspiring to see him do that. Well, sure, man. I mean, I've tried, you know, I've tried to pick up a shaker at a show or someone tossed me a tambourine or something. And, you know, if you don't practice it or if you don't do it often, um, you can get off, you know. It's like, wow, you, you get kind of embarrassed. But, man, he was always on with that thing. Even when he was playing, like, syncopated chords or, something that, you know, wasn't like a straight 4-4, four, four. like mm -hmm. his foot was always on with that tambourine yep. kick thing he had. And yep. um, there was a lot of times where I would watch him either with Todd or, you know, Randy and I played a gig at San Felipe's for a long time, and I was teaching at the time, so I had to, I had to quit, and Ethan took over for me. And there were a few times where I'd go out and watch Ethan and Randy together, mm -hmm. and... Um, I would just, that, I don't know why, man, but that tambourine, I would always just focus on, I'd watch his foot and be like, man, he's awesome on that thing, you know, like, always on, like, never, never was he, like, off, or did he hit it, you know, at the wrong spot, mm -hmm. it, and it just goes to show what a, the timing was just natural for him, you know, he was so good at that. Yep. Yeah, just naturally born to do that. Um, yeah, I, 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 miss, let's, I miss seeing him do that. I know, me too, man. All right, let's get into some of the stuff that I'm most looking forward to and the reason that I kind of start put this podcast together because I love hearing Ethan's stories. Yeah. You know, our stories in general. And there's two types that I love the most. And number one is, you know, um, Memorable gigs, like, is there a, a specific gig that you have that you played with Ethan that kind of sticks out in your memories? Uh, you guys played a lot of shows together. We did. Um, I wouldn't say there's one specific gig um, that sticks out in my mind. I will say that there was a, a run of gigs that we did for, God, it was, must have been at least two years, where we did... Um, up, there was a place up in North Scottsdale called Kokomo Joe's. I don't know if you remember that place, but we yeah. did that. We played up there quite a quite a lot when when Capital Down, and I have a lot of memories of playing that specific venue with him, um, even though it's gone now. Um, but that those shows up there, I have a lot of memories of of playing because sometimes they were good, sometimes they were bad, and. Um, but they were always memorable when you played with Ethan. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, and I, those those string of dates that we played, um, 
at that venue, you know, it's not the it wasn't the best venue. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't always packed, but it was kind of just a place where I have a lot of uh, memories from from even um, as far as playing out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to peg down any any one because, like we were saying mm -hmm. earlier, you know, any gig you played with them was fun. You know, yeah. Especially as, yeah. especially as the night went on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they just get amped up and amped up and amped up. Exactly. Um, how about like when you guys would travel and stuff, or even like off the stage? Because you mm -hmm. you probably spent some time together traveling. Do you have any stories of of him that stick out in your mind? Of like, yeah. Um, there was a lot of gigs that the band traveled for that I was not able to go on. And uh, unfortunately, I, I really wish I was able to. I know uh, the band went to Alaska a couple times, and I know they had a, a lot of fun there. I, I regret not being able to go on those. Um, we did do a string uh, a week once in Reno, um, and uh, so the band got hired to play uh, at, at one of the, the brewery bars there in one of the hotels in Reno for a week. It was one of those gigs where you go there for the week and you play, you know, every night. Um, so that trip uh, was really memorable for me because it was one of the first trips that we played as a band that I got to go on where, you, you know, you're hired for the week, you play every night, and then they, they put you in a room and you know that's 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 what you're hired to do, and that was a fun trip. Um, you know, we did a lot of uh, a lot of after show um, fun stuff. <laughs> it was just you know it's, it's the four of us. You know, you're in you're in a place you guys you, you know you're in a place that you've never been. You're staying in a casino practically, and once the gig's over, you got nothing to do except get up the next day and go to play it again. You know, so like that week, um, there's a lot of memories made. Um, you know, I, I remember Ethan sitting at the, um, uh, it, God, it must have been like two or three in the morning, sitting at the uh, casinos, um, playing the slot machines. And, you know, and we're all, and we're all pretty fuzzy at that point. And uh, Ethan's just cracking jokes, being super funny, making everybody laugh. Um, and then all of us laughing at ourselves because we're so, we're like, we're in Reno, you know, why are we here? It's one of those things, you know, that you just get to at that point of the night. Um, but yeah, that trip, that trip was really stands out to me. Um, it was, it was fun and we, we got to bond quite a bit on that one. Mm -hmm. That's and, uh, cool, man. That must have been fun. Yeah, and you know, and that's just one trip for me. I can't imagine all the stuff that everybody else that you're you're going to talk to or have talked to, uh, the experiences that they have had with him because he did a lot. He traveled a lot. He played a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm just I'm just happy I got a slice. You know, I was able to right. get a slice of get a slice of that. Well, I'm excited, man. You're the first person that I've uh, talked to for this series, actually. Oh, so okay. You know, I know that. Well, I, it's only uh, it's only upwards from here then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm, yeah, man. I'm excited because I'm sure p people have tons of stories about them. You know, and I just love hearing. 
I mean, I have all my, you know, my stories and my memories of stuff, but, you know, when he first passed away, I remember um, being on his Facebook page and reading, I mean, there were just hundreds of people, you know, that were on there, you know, sharing memories about him and mm -hmm. expressing expressing their shock and grief about it all. And, you know, like Dean Miller posted some pictures and a really cool story, and Mike Mercer had a dream about him, which, dude, I've had, I don't know, of all the years that I've known Ethan, you know how, like, throughout your life, there's maybe, like, a good three or four dreams that you remember, you know what I mean, that, that kind of have stuck with you over the years. Yeah. And I've got about three or four, maybe five dreams over the years, and three of them have been Ethan-related dreams, two when he was alive and one after mm. his past, one after he passed away. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what, so when I you know when Mike Mercer put his dream on there, I was like, wow, that's so cool, man. Because I have like vivid, you know, I've had vivid dreams in the past about Ethan as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's, in it's interesting. So if um, so, I, yeah, I look forward to people that we're gonna talk to in the future. Now, aside for aside from the stuff that you guys did together, like, did you keep in touch much? Like, would he ever text you, or you know, would yeah. you run into him around places, or? Yeah. So after the uh, the band kind of closed, folded up, um, and Ethan was already kind of doing uh, some other projects, um, I uh, I would see him every now and then. Um, I wasn't. We didn't weren't able we didn't do any projects together or anything like that so our interaction after that um was limited um and uh i was busy um uh, i had uh, my daughter at the time um she was very very little so i kind of stopped playing in the scene um to you know spend more time with her and to be there um so i that that was kind of one of the reasons why i kind of pulled out of playing in a lot of bands and playing music um, was to to be able to be there. So I wasn't, I didn't get a chance to go and see him very much after that. Um, I, I, I would kind of follow what he was doing on Facebook. And if I ever had the chance where I was out and I was in a place where I knew he was playing, uh, you know, I would definitely say hi and say what's up. And that's another thing, like even though we we hadn't played together or I hadn't seen him in say a year or two he would always be like Mike Hill Mike Hill in the house you know and he would just kind of <laughs> yeah. get that energy that same energy that you you remember him for he would just give it to you right then and there <laughs> yeah. so it was he was you know he was just that guy where no matter how long you hadn't seen him as soon as he saw you he would be boom energy guy and you know he's just so opening welcoming and the same guy that you remember that's who he was um, so yeah so he didn't he kind of uh, you know went on to do his projects and and it'd been a while since I saw him um, I think the last time I did see him he came out to a gig that I was playing at um, a band called cousins of the wise um, and he did come out to to see us then, and it was great to see him uh, say hi. And um, you know, 
that was that was the last time I got a, uh, last time I got a chance to, to see him and talk to him. But um, but yeah, you know, no matter how long it ever had been, he was always very welcoming and and always that same guy. Yeah, and he was a. You know, like um, when you said, you know, like my kill in the house, like, yeah, how we do, like when you'd walk in the bar and he'd be playing the second he caught you. Yep. He'd call your he'd call your name out, and man, you'd feel so special. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and like usually, I mean, most people who are humble anyway um, don't like, you know, attention called to you if you're not up playing or if you're just in the crowd to watch the band and. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's cool if some people are like, oh, hey, Mike Hill from this band or that band, what's up, man? You know, but, you know, when someone calls you out from the stage, you're like, oh, man, like, you don't want to, you know, you're like, I'm just here trying to drink. But with Ethan, it was different, right? When he yeah. called your name, like, like you felt, it, it was almost like um, I felt like he was proud of me and it made, I wanted to make him proud or I was uh, hey I know Ethan look he's saying my name you mm -hmm. know it was like an awesome feeling yeah exactly if you if you're if you're someone he knew uh, and you walked into the, the place that he was playing and if he saw you he would immediately call you out <laughs> which was great you know but you don't mind right it's like no sometimes you don't like that but with him yeah he awesome. It was awesome. It was always awesome to uh, to see him and hear him, um, whether he was playing or not. He he had that habit of making you feel, you know, pretty pretty awesome about yourself. Well, you touched on it a little bit, but I was curious if uh, to see if you could remember, like, any of the last conversations that you had with him. Um, I know you were talking about that time that he came and saw you with cousins of the wise, but do you remember? Yeah, yeah. In those last last years, um, you know, I uh, like I said, I I I was focused more on um, I wasn't doing music as much, um, so I wasn't able to get much talk time with him. Um, I think the last time, like I mentioned, <coughs> excuse me, was <coughs> I got a little bit of time to say, hey, how's it going? What what you up to? Uh, you know, what are you be, what are you playing? What are you doing these days? You know, a lot of just catch up stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we weren't able to uh, really connect on a on a hangout kind of vibe where you know none of where either he wasn't playing or I wasn't playing. Um, and unfortunately, it's like that with a lot of musicians, people that you know. Uh, if you have friends, like they're they're either playing or you're playing, and you don't get a lot of time with them. Um, or you both are playing at the same time and you never get a chance to hang out. It's, it, it's, it's cool when you get a lot of sit-down time and you get to just talk with them. And, and I, didn't, I didn't get a lot of chances to do that once, once we stopped playing in the project we were in. Um, and I envy, you know, I envy now the people that were able to do that um, and, and still get a chance to talk and hang out with them you know, non, not in a non-gigging situation because, uh, you know, that's, you get a lot of good stuff out of that. <laughs> Especially yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Um, yeah, I couldn't do it every time, but, you know, whenever I was playing a gig with him, 
you know, it was like, let's go to Ethan's house. Yeah. You know, and and uh, there were, more often than not, I had to teach the next morning, you know, because I was teaching yeah. I lived out there. And so a lot of those times I'd be like, oh, man, you know, I wish I could. But, but on the weekends, there were a, lots of weekend gigs where I'd end up, you know, waking up at Ethan's house on Sunday morning, like, oh man, <laughs> and I'm just, and I'm just happy that I was able to experience those kind of you know, hangs with them aside from music. Yeah, you know, got, exactly. Got to know know him. I mean, I proposed to my wife in his living room. You know, wow, like that's crazy. I feel lucky that I was able to um, get, and it wasn't hard hard to do either you know because he was such a welcoming person and um yeah always down down to hang you know yep yep if you so you know if you were to talk to someone who didn't know Ethan how would you describe him to that person if someone said well what's the big deal with this Ethan guy everyone's <laughs> yeah talking about and you know yeah what, I what mean I, I, I would probably say to them exactly that is you know Look at, listen to the people who knew him. Look at how many people knew him. Look at how, what they say about him. You know, that's pretty much what represents who a person like that is. Um, you know, unfortunately, all of us are going to pass someday. And, you know, if you look at how a person was to other people when it comes to someone like Ethan, the proof is in how many people said so amazing things about him. Um, that's the kind of person he was. He was, everybody knows he was an amazing musician in, in, in his own right, but he was even a better person to pretty much everybody, um, whether you were just his friend, whether you were in a project with him, uh, whether you were someone who came to watch him, or whether you were someone that just, you know, hung out and had a beer with him. He was the same person to all those people and genuinely positive and loving to, to your situation. And he just made you feel super important and super confident about yourself when you're around him. Um, you know, and it's, it's, easy, it's easy to just throw those words around about someone who, who's gone. But the reality is, is it was 100% true. If he was here today, I'd still be saying that. You know, I wouldn't yeah. be using his words in the past tense. I'd be saying, Ethan is so-and-so-and-so. Um, it's not that he's yeah. gone. I think everybody who knows him would still say the exact same words about him if he was still here and you were doing a podcast about Ethan. what makes Ethan so amazing today. You know, uh, we would all be saying the same thing and telling the same stories, and it, it's no different. Um, we all miss him greatly, but we would, we definitely, there would be no change in demeanor in how we felt about him if he was still here, um, and, or, you know, he is not, but it's just that, he's just that consistent as, as, as a good of a person. Um, Yes, yeah. yes, dude. Good job. I mean, the, and the one word uh, that I would take from what you just said is genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I mean, a lot of the cats that we know are genuine because we've known each other for 20 years or whatever, you know, but a lot of people that you come across, it's hard to tell if they're genuine or not. And mm -hmm. with Ethan, there's that spidey sense that we all have. Some of us pay more attention to it than others, right? But he was mm -hmm. just a, genu a genuine cat, you know? Mm -hmm. you, yeah, and he was, you know. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, genuine for sure, you know, you don't get to be, you know, working in music and getting to work with people for as long as he did without being humble and genuine. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's guys around town, there's people around town that you hear about from other musicians and other people that I'm sure you've heard, and you're like, oh, you know, that guy, don't work with that guy, he's, you know, he'll... He's not great. He's, he, he'll rip you off. He's kind of an asshole. Um, never, ever, ever did I ever hear anything like that about Ethan. You never did. You just never did no. because he, he wasn't that guy. And he, he was able to stay employed and work and, um, and, and have so many friends because he was genuinely loving and caring and, uh, and just kind to people. But how funny was it when Ethan would come across a guy like that? I mean, he, <laughs> am I right? Like, yeah, he had he had so many stories. Yeah, of guys that he would jam with that were either narcissistic or cracked out or not yep. really good or you know. <laughs> yeah, I he. Say, I won't say any names, but right. Yeah, he, he, that's the thing is he would always have a story because he played with so many people and he would come back with the story of like, you know, oh, I played with this guy who, you know, like was cracked out or something like, like you said. And he would yeah. just spin it in a way where it was hilarious because, uh, you know, he had so many stories. Not, it's not like people have stories about him. He had his own stories himself that he would tell um, about his experiences. Uh, so that was just another thing. I was like, man, he played so much and he had so many experiences. Um, but yeah, he, I loved hearing the stories he would come back with. And what was so cool about it is even if they were a little goofy or wacky or whatever, he'd still jam with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He'd still play with them for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, man, what, what a trip that guy was. Yep. Man, I, I really appreciate your time here today, dude. And there's there's one last thing. Yeah. Um, one last little question or, or thing that I would like to go over with you, and that is if I had Ethan with me right now mm -hmm. and you had that one last chance to kind of tell him something, what would you say to him? Oh, man. Um, That's a heavy question, I know. and. <laughs> you, you're going to make me tear up here. Um, uh, you know, I would just, if I had another chance to talk to him, I would say um, uh, thank you. You know, I would say thank you, Ethan, for um, uh, being an inspiration to me and not knowing it um, uh, as far as how to be a great musician, um, how to be someone who can work and and make it work as a musician, um, and then just to say thank you for 
all the all the times that he brought such a positive vibe to pretty much any situation. Um, there was a lot of shit going on in my life uh, during that period <laughs> when I was in a, in a, in the band with him. A lot of personal things going on, um, and sometimes the last thing I wanted to do was pack up my drums at 8 o'clock and go play a show at 9 and then get home at 1 on a weekday, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, But because he was on the gig and he was such a positive force, it made it not so bad. Um, and I, I would just want to say thank you to him for being that positive person in my life especially during that time. Um, and, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it sounds pretty pretty hokey to say someone thank you, but there's a lot no, behind yeah. that, you know. It's just, uh, there's just so much behind that that I wish I could, I could say that to him because I don't think he, he knew how much he meant to so many people. Um, and uh, yeah, and I I would I would definitely um, want to tell him those words for sure. Not hokey at all, dude. I think Ethan is the one exception for us guys to be able to shed a tear here and there. You know. Yeah. Um, I'm, and I'm sure if he heard what you just said, he'd be. You know. Yeah, whatever, man. No problem. You're you're, awesome. <laughs> you're, you're the awesome one, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would say something like that. Yeah, but it's true. It's definitely true. You know, he was he was, Mike, it, it was he was a light. He was, man. It was awesome to talk to you and 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 be, to be. I mean, <laughs> a, a, the a lot of people that I'm going to be talking to. It's great for me because I love talking on the phone. <laughs> but <laughs> not a lot of people do. If, dude, if I, had, if, I, if I could, if I knew I could get away with it, there are so many people I would call and annoy all the time. Yeah. You know, so, so to be able to talk to you this long is, is great because I miss you and I miss jamming with you. And I appreciate, you know, all the remote, um, stuff that you're doing, you know, recording drums for my songs and for sure, man, for sure. All Thank the memories you. I have jamming with you and Green Ears and the, over the years, and uh -huh. you know, um, I've told you before, and I, but I'm gonna say it here, dude. You, that day that Randy and I were playing at Dose, and you came up and we're like, hey, man, you guys got a cool, <laughs> you guys got, got a cool little thing going up here. You know, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm being pretty entertained over there. And, yeah, and I, was, and I was like, "Oh, right on, man, cool." You know what I mean? And then it came out that you were the drummer of the Funk Chunkies. Oh, dude! Oh <laughs> man! Mean, you know, I, I was just I, that I, night. I, I went I, home and called my friend. <laughs> I remember that day, man. That was great. You guys are you and Randy were playing, uh, doing your set thing, and I was like, "You guys are killing it, man!" I mean, I was just so impressed with you guys. I, I it's like you kind of have to go up and say something, right? And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm really happy. I'm really happy we were able to connect that day. Yeah, that was the first day I met you, man. And then soon yep. after that, uh, we went out, we went like a, maybe a week or two later, you and I met up and we went out to hang out in Scottsdale. And yeah. you took me to this, 
you took me to a karaoke bar. Yeah. If you remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were singing songs. And then out of nowhere, you get up and do this, like, badass Frank Sinatra song. And I was like, oh. Ah. <laughs> you guys cool. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, anyway. That was good good stuff. That's when we both had hair and we were both 20 pounds lighter or heavier yeah. or lighter. <laughs> lighter, yeah, right? Yeah, that's back good, in the day. Good old, good old days. Well, we're still in our good old days. we got lots of days left, dude, and I look forward to doing more projects with you and stuff, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be uh, part of this podcast that I'm starting. and. Definitely, uh, brother, and I, I thank you, and I appreciate it. I think what you're doing is amazing, and there's no better way right to uh, pay tribute to someone than to hear it from the people that were inspired by him, for sure. So thank you. Yeah, of course, man. He deserves it. You know, he was such a, a beautiful, amazing, dynamic, influential person, and I want everyone to hear. And the only reason I'm doing it is because someone else hasn't yet. I could sit around and listen to Ethan for hours or, you know, stories about him and just yeah, how he touched people's lives. So, well, yep. Mike, you have a good one, man, and um, hopefully we can talk soon. And uh, thanks for being here. Definitely. Thank you, brother. So there you have it. Uh, that was my conversation with Mike Hill. And as you can tell, he had a lot of respect and admiration for Ethan. And just like most of us, took several things away that have stuck with him to this day. And one of the things that Mike talked about that I would like to mention real quick is the fact that Ethan was able to also perform acoustic gigs on his own, playing guitar and singing. And I hadn't thought about it much because I just always knew that Ethan was awesome and very talented. But you know... Like, for example, I remember one time I was over at his house and uh, I came over. Uh, Ethan let me in and right away he picked up a guitar and played I'm Only Sleeping by the Beatles. And he performed it very well. He knew all the lyrics and all the right chords, even though he was playing them backwards and upside down. And at the time, I remember thinking, well, of course he knew this song. He's Ethan, you know, but I never thought about all of the time and energy he put into learning all of this music and making sure that he was proficient in the songs that he knew. Not everyone takes the time to do that and it makes me admire him even more. Thank you for listening and join me on my next episode where I will be speaking with Tony King, who is probably the one drummer that Ethan played with the most during his career as a musician. Uh, It's a great conversation, and I hope you'll return to listen to that. If you'd like to learn more about Mike Hill and the bands that he plays in and what he's up to, uh, he's on all the socials, and uh, you can subscribe to the Rock Bottom Bros Facebook page, or you can go to their website at rockbottombros.com. I'd like to leave you today with a new release from the Rock Bottom Bros, from back uh, in July called Do It Again. And the song features Justin Stewart on guitar, Paul Anthony on vocals and bass, and Mike Hill on drums. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.